0: Nobody likes forgiveness. Our cultural powers, the prominent voices in our culture, they don't like forgiveness. Uh, some see it as giving license to oppression. It's evil for a, a victim of any kind to have to, whether it be racial, domestic, in the workplace, a victim of any kind to forgive the one who abuses them. It's a burden that a victim should not have to bear. So voices say. Others could see forgiveness as soft or weak. If you're facing evil, it makes more sense to punch back, whether it be against a political foe or the media or whoever. Forgiveness is seen by many as unjust because it lets lets abusers, it lets those who are evil, off the hook. Or it imposes immoral weight on a victim. The big voice in our culture say that. But narrowing in here on us, we personally don't like forgiveness much either, do we? It's not like we're any better. We would much rather avoid or ghost someone than ask for forgiveness and grant forgiveness to someone face-to-face. We would much rather fantasize about an adversary's misfortune or us owning them in an argument than longing for their blessing and freedom. In our hearts, we want them to get what they deserve. We would much rather talk to others about an offender behind their backs and vent than honor them when we speak about them. We cherish punishing them in our hearts when they're not present. Forgiveness is the most unnatural thing in the world to do. I asked the kids if it would be easy to do this, and the ones who knew right away shook their head without even having to think. And yet, forgiveness is an inescapable command of Jesus, He calls us to forgive. Forgiveness, it feels as natural as if we were giant marble blocks and we're being hammered, broken down, and chiseled. That's how natural it would feel to us. And yet I'm confident that forgiveness, though unnatural, though it feels unnatural, is a key tool that God uses as an artist to hammer and chisel us into something beautiful into God glorifying works that are shorn, that, are, that where the pride has been washed away and the anger and the bitterness has been chiseled, chiseled away. And prayer is the workshop where we sit under the work of the artist. So, as we look at this petition in the Lord's Prayer, I want to teach about forgiveness and I hope to draw our attentions towards practicing forgiveness and what forgiveness means for our prayers before God, and as we seek to forgive others. And this is a cram Sunday, and I'm going to give a lot of information. I'm going to do what I can. And if you have more questions about this, there's a lot more to be said than what I'm going to say today. But let's honor the time that we have. So I want to talk about the vertical and the horizontal dimensions of forgiveness. Vertical meaning asking and receiving forgiveness from God, which is the, what this petition says, forgive us our, our debts to God, and also the horizontal, how we forgive forgiveness to one another, which is what the rest of the verses are about. So first off, the vertical dimension, us asking forgiveness from God. This prayer, forgive us our debts. This prayer assumes that we are sinners. He instructs everyone, Jesus instructs everyone to pray like this, and to pray, it assumes that if he prayed regularly. And that would be the foundation for all of our prayers. And assumed in this petition is that we always come before God as those who are in debt to him. As those who have sinned against him, trespassed against his ways. And this prayer is to be prayed by even the holiest of saints. So clearly, since the debts being referred to here, it's a lot more than just stealing cookies from the cookie jar or small foibles, it means that our hearts are bent, that we rely on ourselves for peace, for wholeness, for safety, that in our heart of hearts we substitute ourselves for the place of God. So when we pray, forgive us our debts, we come before God admitting that we are sinners. And more than that, thinking about praying, We should come before God eager for him to reveal our sins to us. Here's what Psalm 139 says. The psalmist prays, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the life everlasting. Prayer in prayer, it is assumed that we come as sinners, that we come. Out of darkness. And this means that when we pray, we can be honest with ourselves and honest before God. Right? We don't have to put on pretenses or pretend that we're someone we're not. We can lay out what we really are and what we really want before him. Even if what we really want shows how wicked our hearts are. And as I've I've examined my own prayers, as I've prayed over the years, as I've prayed in groups of Christians too, I've just noticed when we pray, we use a lot of empty euphemisms when we pray. We talk nice, but we don't tell God what's actually going on in our hearts. We say things like, I'm not perfect, or I'm broken. Those sentences don't really mean anything. But in the language of I'm broken, it particularly scandalizes me at times. Because brokenness is passive. A bowl can fall on the ground and it can be broken. But that's no fault of the bowl, right? How far that is from our own hearts. How what if we prayed specifically, acknowledging our sins before God? What if our prayers sounded more like this? How does this sound instead? God, in my heart, I find that I actually want the person who wronged me to fail. I fantasize about him being caught or beaten in an argument or humiliated. I say I want justice, but that's just my heart wanting vengeance. I'm filled with bitterness. Or kids, what if we prayed like this? Father, I'm so mad at my parents. I hate the rules they give me and what they ask me to do. I love them, but today it really feels like I hate them. I wish they'd just leave me alone. Please help me love them because my, heart, my hard heart doesn't know how. Or parents, what if we prayed like this? God, when I'm with my children, I only want them to behave and do what I say. I treat them like they're just... Barriers to me getting my way. I care so little for their hearts. I'm a sinful dad who needs to learn how to love his kids again. Forgive me and help me. Do you hear the difference? There are few things as powerful as being specific in prayer. We humble ourselves before God in prayer. God humbles us in prayer. We can be honest with with our desires before him. And this work, this prayer, this is how the master artist chisels us, one of the ways he chisels us into that work of art. And as we'll see, this work, what I just described, it is such important work before we go and seek to try to forgive others. How can we draw near to God in this way, to our Father in this way in prayer, acknowledging our sins? We can only draw near to him this way Naming our specific sins because of Jesus' cross. Let me tell you something. This is what I'm going to say. This is the heart of what I do here as a pastor. Let me tell you something basic but infinitely deep. On the cross, Jesus died so that you could be forgiven of all of your sins. He died so you could be forgiven of all of your sins. In this prayer, our sins are called debts. On the cross, Jesus made the payment for all our sins. He received retribution for our wrongdoing. He took the wrath of God upon himself as our substitute. What does this teach us about forgiveness? Forgiveness this cross. shows that forgiveness is just. God forgiving us does not ignore justice. It's not God taking sins lightly. It's not him saying, no problem, just water under the bridge. The cost of sin is grievous. It was the greatest debt in the universe. Like the 10,000 talents. But Jesus paid it with the most precious payment in the universe, his very life. Forgiveness is just. Also, forgiveness is loving and merciful. It's both. Both just and merciful. Forgiveness is God absorbing the debt of another. It's the willing, the good for an enemy. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. He substituted himself in our place. He voluntarily took the cost of sin, the debt, on himself. And he did this not because we deserved it, because we've earned it, we've, we've done the right things, merited it, but he did it because he loves us. He knew every single one of your sins, the things that you were going to do and the things that you weren't going to do. He saw all this on the cross and in the greatest act of love the history of the world Jesus stayed there forgiveness is loving so this petition forgive us our sins it's an invitation to come before the cross every time you pray to remember your own sins to confess them honestly and specifically before God you're far worse than you realize but it's also to remember God's forgiveness of your sins to receive his love for you you're far more loved than you could even possibly imagine if you do this in prayer God will give you the motivation the power and the love to forgive others as he has forgiven you it's a promise that's the vertical dimension The horizontal dimension. Us granting forgiveness to others. If we receive and grasp God's forgiveness of us, we will be able to forgive others. It's that simple. Divine forgiveness comes before human forgiveness. Remember the story I told the kids. The king forgives the debt. And then there's an expectation that the servant will forgive the other servant. The fact that the servant didn't forgive the debt. Revealed that his heart was not transformed by the forgiveness from the king. Right? There is an order here. And yet at the same time, if you look at verses 14 and 15 again, you'll see there is something incredibly uncomfortable about these verses. Our lack of forgiveness towards those around us reveals it reveals how much we've received the forgiveness of our Heavenly Father. And if we aren't aren't forgiving our brothers and sisters, if we aren't forgiving others, the Bible is clear. It shows that we haven't been forgiven. We haven't received God's forgiveness. How do we forgive? As I've said already, this prayer calls our sins debts. And this metaphor helps us understand how how to forgive one another. Forgiveness is giving up the right to demand repayment from the one who has harmed you. It's releasing them from their obligation to repay you. And instead, it's taking that cost, which you bear particularly emotionally, it's you taking that cost upon yourself. When somebody wrongs you, you have two options you can make them suffer and repay you, or you can refuse revenge and forgive them. And if you do that, you will suffer. There are no other options. Forgiveness is something that is anathema in our worldly in our world and like, in the way that we think about things. Forgiveness is voluntary suffering. There is no way around it. One author puts it this way, there is never forgiveness without suffering, nails, thorn, thorns, sweat, blood. Never Forgiveness, I, I, uh, I saw this, this metaphor. Forgiveness is like making a big credit card payment on behalf of the one who has wronged you. And, but it's a credit card payment, so you have to pay that debt off slowly over time. Here's, this has come from a, a guy who wrote a book on forgiveness named Dan Hamilton. Uh, he he had, and was in a relationship with a woman. They both wronged each other in a lot of ways, and they broke up, and they forgave each other, but there was just immense grief and pain Here's how he describes forgiving her. He says, I forgave her, but in small sums over a year. The payments were made whenever I spoke to her and refrained from rehashing the past. Done whenever I saw her with another man. Done when I had to renounce jealousy and self pity. When I prayed for her as she moved into other relationships. Done when I praised her and spoke of her value, though I wanted to slice away at her reputation. Those were payments but she never saw them. Do you see how the credit card analogy works there? I forgive you, huge credit card payment, but you pay it slowly, emotionally, over a long time, as you choose not to seek vengeance against the person in your thoughts and your words and your deeds, but instead to honor them and long for their good. And this is why forgiveness... It will almost always be given before it is felt. It is very rarely felt at the same time it is given. Forgiveness is not, I'm going to do rapid fire here, there's a lot more to talk about here. Uh, if you guys want to read a book on forgiveness, uh, Timothy Keller, I think his last book before he died was called Forgive. And it's, it's an outstanding book. But here are a few quick things. Forgiveness is not, and we learn this again by looking at the cross. It's not forgiving, it's not excusing evil. It honestly acknowledges wrongdoing. Forgiveness does. Forgiveness is not evading consequences. A wrongdoer still must face the consequences as human law requires. Forgiveness is also not the same as immediate trust. Forgiving someone does not mean immediately resuming the relationship with the wrongdoer at the level of trust where it was before. Sometimes forgiveness can, people think that forgiveness is. Allowing the loved loved person to keep hurting others in the way that they did before. It's allowing them to keep sinning. But that actually isn't good for the wrongdoer, for them to keep sinning. It makes him or her into a worse person. Forgiving someone, however, it does mean keeping an open heart to reconciliation and restoration to the person if the other party repents. It's openness to that restoration. Even though forgiveness doesn't always assume that that restoration will happen. Because reconciliation takes two. As I'm describing this, if we're going to do this, we will need to pray. The first step in learning how to forgive someone is to pray for them, is to pray for their good, pray for them by name, again and again and again. Pray for their blessing, pray for them to thrive in their jobs. For God to strengthen their gifts, pray for their family life to be rich and joyful. For them to have great friendships, for them to know and love God. Um, I think at the base of this, guys, like I don't know what to offer you besides to say, if you're struggling to forgive someone, come before God and just practice forgiving that person. Just say, I just uh, say I forgive him. Help, help my heart. I forgive her. I forgive her. And let God work on your heart. And I'll do that all the meanwhile, admit, admitting honestly before God the ways that your heart is bent towards revenge. These prayers, they're some of these payments of forgiveness, some of the payments for that debt, that credit card payment. In prayer, open yourself to God as you forgive others. Let Him hammer chisel and break you he'll make you into something far more glorious and beautiful more like Jesus who on the cross saw the people who were murdering him and he said father forgive them for they don't know what they do let me conclude with this um, short story Uh, there's a a guy who uh, came to our church over the past couple years and God's kind of slowly brought him to the faith In his time here, he he moved somewhere else. He's elsewhere now. Uh, He grew up in another religious background. And I met with this young man this past summer. And I asked him, I was like, what drew you to Christianity? What was it about Christianity that you found alluring? And he, without missing a beat, he immediately responded, forgiveness. For him, it was both vertical and horizontal, as I've been explaining it vertically before God he felt loved and received in ways that he hadn't before his guilt was removed and horizontally too he felt free from his bitterness toward others and he looked around and saw those around him just consumed with vengeance and bitterness and trying to get back and slice down others and he's like I feel so freed from that forgiveness is hard the kids knew that but it's also good and it's freeing. Let's pray that the one who forgives us would have mercy on us and help our hearts as we seek to become a forgiving people just as he forgave us. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.